0: Welcome back to Radical Ones. I'm your host, Xander Schultz. I'm here with my producer, Phineas. Phineas, who are you introing today?
1: Today we have Marcy Zaroff. We are venturing into the world of fashion and specifically eco fashion or environmentally conscious fashion. Marcy is one of the, if not the preeminent voice in the world of eco fashion. I believe she actually coined the phrase herself. She has founded multiple brands. Brands like Metaware, Under the Canopy, Beyond Brands. She's an author. She's been involved in documentaries about the topic. But effectively, I think the way that I would describe her is she was one of the first people to raise her hand and say, hey, the fashion industry needs to be looked at with a critical eye in its environmental impact. You know, Today, we look at the fashion industry and we think it's table stakes for people to have an environmental component. Yeah, especially in fast fashion has gone through a lot of bad PR over the last several years. Marcy has been beating that drum for the last 20 years, if not longer, and was one of the first people to bring it to light a a really, really important issue that I think people that are not in the fashion industry don't really think about that often.
0: Totally, I mean, that was that was a beautiful intro. I think that really kind of co- covers everything leading into this. I'm just always so excited when we get to bring on someone fighting a huge battle in one of my own blind spots. Like, to your point, you're kind of like, a, through the marketing of all these clothing brands, you're aware that they're now integrating renewable resources and, you know, circular economy practices. And so you assume, you know, okay, well, there must be some sort of problem over there, or at least the perception of a problem. But certainly, in my blind spot, in terms of the magnitude of it, I mean, this is one of the things with like manufacturing and so much of how we make things not being done in our own country. Like, I don't know anyone who works in the manufacturing piece of the fashion industry, right? We just don't touch those industries as Americans, even though through our consumption, we're so. We're responsible for so much of you know the demand and you know having to crank out so much product every year. And so you can imagine if you don't have that system tightened up, it could be a disaster pretty quickly. And it seems like for years it wasn't even about minimizing harm, it was just production at any cost, an incredible amount of harm, and it still does today. How would you describe the problem you're solving?
2: So the problem is the fashion industry is one of the greatest polluters of air and water in the world. And while people you know, don't think about what they're putting on their bodies, they think about what they're putting in their bodies, it actually matters a lot because at the end of the day when you pull the curtain back and you unveil the human and environmental impacts of the fashion industry and the amount of toxins going into fashion, we need to be thinking differently about Slowing down fashion and also minimizing the impacts across waste, water, energy, climate change, chemical use and social justice.
0: Help me understand how we got here with the fashion industry, how it became uh, such a monstrosity when it comes to the environment. What, What have been the key moments in history?
2: Yeah, well, I would say the introduction of fast fashion has certainly contributed to magnifying and multiplying the impact significantly. You've got an industry, when you talk about fast fashion, that's gone from two to four seasons a year to more than 52 seasons a year, making fashion disposable. And by degrading, you know, fashion to this point where we've compromised on quality, we've also been proliferating the use of, you know, energy and water and chemicals by virtue of mass production. So that's definitely been a huge shift in our industry. And we need to now reverse the paradigm and go back where we started to fewer, fewer seasons and more timeless collections.
0: How did you get introduced to this, uh, this issue? And then what was the journey like from like your eyes being open to this problem and you saying, okay, now this is my personal mission. I'm going to tackle this and, and make a dent in this thing.
2: Yeah. Well, I actually started my career on the food side. And which is how most consumers actually start their own journey into sustainability or health and wellness, right? Right. So in, um, I got a business degree and I always joke that my fashion background is that I got best dressed in high school. So I did not go to fashion (laughs) school. I always loved fashion, and so when I started my career, I actually started a health and wellness educational center that had a holistic health coach certification program. Today, that school is the world's largest holistic health nutrition program, having certified over 150,000 people worldwide, and I think over 150 countries. It's called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And through that work, I also stumbled upon the beauty world by virtue of partnering up with the founder of Aveda, who became one of my best friends through the years and my mentor of over 25 years, um, and actually wrote the forward to my book, Eco Renaissance, before he passed away a few years ago. And so I we connected the dots from food to beauty. And then it became very apparent that. You can't really support one part of the equation without looking at the whole lifestyle. Mm. And just like in Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, there's this evolution from our first basic need of food into shelter and clothing. And that's when I had this aha, looking at what Horst was doing with Aveda and looking at all the things I had learned in food and saying, wait, I want to take all of those learnings and translate them into the fashion industry and no biggie, just revolutionize the fashion world. So I actually coined and trademarked the term eco-fashion. In nineteen ninety five. People thought I was Oh, you were crazy. real early. <laughs> real early. I <laughs> was, three, I was three years old. No, just kidding. Um <laughs> no, people people thought I was crazy, that nobody would ever buy yeah. into this concept, that you know, style, quality, fit, color, comfort, and hand. You know, there was this misconception that they were mutually exclusive with social and environmental responsibility, that people who were into fashion mm. were not into the environment and consciousness, and people who were thinking more consciously were not into fashion. I said, wait a minute, but I'm both, right? So, how do I bridge? you know, the tree hugger and the fashionista or, you know, the tribe in the boardroom and change the world of style and style the world of change and bring these worlds together to transform the fashion world. So I started a brand in 1995 called Under the Canopy, with the premise being that we all live under the canopy of the planet's ecosystem together and um, started the company by going direct to consumer back in the day when direct to consumer was mail order. And then got seen by a lot of major retailers and found myself in the C-suites of Whole Foods and Target and Macy's and Bed Bath & Beyond launching the very first sustainable fashion and or home textile initiatives for almost every major retailer that I named and beyond. And from there, I produced a documentary film series called Driving Fashion Forward with Amber Valletta. I wrote a book called Eco Renaissance, co-creating a stylish, sexy, and sustainable world. And today, I'm the founder and CEO of Eco Fashion Corp, which is a greenhouse of brands, and modeled over the uh, after the old school house of brands where we share operational efficiencies and a foundation. And we have four verticals: Metaware, which is our B2B plug-and-play manufacturing arm, and then we have a direct-to-consumer brand called Yes and. The idea being join, yes, and, join this movement. Yes, everything you want, and ethically made, socially responsible, and of course, certified organic, recycled, fair trade, all the good stuff. And then we have two brands on QVC. One is called Farm to Home, and one is called Seed to Style, and we launch these exclusively for QVC, the most size-inclusive uh, sustainable fashion brand you will find anywhere and affordable, which is a big part of my life work is breaking the stigma that sustainable fashion has to cost a lot more.
0: We talked to a lot of people who are on the vanguards of different, you know, social issues. And oftentimes I feel like when you're part of the vanguard, you have to do so many things. Like you have to do the cultural work and educate people. You have to build the businesses. It sounds like your your story to- totally tracks with that that uh, need, right? It's like, I need everyone to understand this thing. So I'm going to make a movie. I then need everyone to start buying these type of things and there's no brands out there. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, now I need to create these clothing companies. I need to let other people build clothing companies. So I'll build a B2B branch that makes it a little easier. It sounds like you, you as you launched into this, saw there was almost a need in every vertical and, and tried to step into it.
2: Yeah. yeah, I touch, I would say, every facet of this movement from having written standards in the 90s. So I was part of the team that wrote what's known as the Global Organic Textile Standard, the highest standard for a finished textile. Also spent seven years working with Fair Trade USA to write the first Fair Trade Textile Standard. I helped launch the Cradle to Cradle Innovation Institute's Fashion Positive, fashion standard. And so I'm a big advocate of transparency and traceability and authenticity. I mean, these are things I've been talking about for over 25 years throughout the course of my career. But of course, today, they're on everybody's radar. And everyone in the fashion world is drinking the proverbial sustainability Kool-Aid now and looking for solutions. And so, you know, the reason I founded Eco Fashion Corp was to leverage my 30 years in, in this movement to help make sustainability easy for other brands and retailers and to give consumers what they're looking for in the way of style and sustainability with no compromise, right?
0: My, my next question's broad, how is it all going? <laughs> but I mean that in the sense that like from the outside looking in to use like a COVID term, it seems like we're flattening the curve, right? It seems like to your point, it's going mainstream. I'm seeing every big brand have at least lines. If they're not fully, you know, leaned into the sustainability, they have lines that, you know, are very forward about advertising sustainability. Are we moving away from peak destruction or has like fast fashion, everything still, is it still outpacing the innovations we're making? I just wonder where, where we're at in this, in this journey.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I would say this, it's not about staying ahead anymore. It's about not being left behind. If you're not embedding, Mm. you know, social and environmental accountability into your supply chains, into your products, you're going to be out of the game. You know, look at how many big retailers and companies, you know, fell by the wayside during COVID, right? Because they weren't relevant anymore. And I think, you know, today's consumer, especially millennials and, and the younger generations, they've grown up with the internet and the internet has, change the game because you can ask the questions, right? Who made my clothes? What's in them? Where are they being made? How are they being made? I mean, the fashion revolution movement was born out of an uproar around discovering, you know, that the Rana Plaza factory that collapsed and cost, you know, 1134 lives in an instant that business as usual in the fashion industry is not okay. And I think once, you know, that was exposed, there's no turning back. And to your point, everybody now, we couldn't go outside, but we could go inside And when we were inside, we, you know, personally and professionally, I think what's happened is we've reset our values. And, you know, I've also been on the board of the Organic Trade Association for, you know, a decade with the Organic Center for Research. And, you know, all the statistics now, we've just hit 62 billion in sales as of 2020 in the organic industry in this country. That means that people are waking up and saying, you know what, I'm demanding health and wellness. Transparency, accountability, and I think now you know relatively speaking we 're just at the beginning of you know a fashion revolution
0: beautiful I know with food, the ability to compete on price has been really big lately. It feels like beyond and impossible, and some of these brands finally got to a size where they can not only, you know, offer this better product, but like now beyond that McDonald's, right? One of those two, I think beyond that McDonald's and at Burger King. And, and I wonder is fashion there yet? Has eco, has eco fashion been able to now compete with, you know, whatever unethical fashion, whatever I want to call the default industry, uh, or, or is there still some growth to be done there?
2: Okay, so first of all, I would say that one, another reason I started Metaware in terms of not just helping to make it easy, but also offsetting the, heavy, the high costs, right? Because the more vertically integrated that we can be in our industry from farm to finished fashion, the more efficient we are, then we can add value to product without adding cost, And that's how we've been able to launch with some of the biggest retailers in America. So to answer you, I launched the first organic cotton program for Target. I launched the first organic cotton program for Bed Bath & Beyond. Right now we have a major partnership at Eco Fashion Corp with QVC and they're all about price, right? So yes, we're here and you can find something for everyone now. There's no excuse, right? It's Albert Einstein said, we can't solve today's problems with the same consciousness that created them. So we have to shift our consciousness now and vote with our dollars and know that you can buy affordable, sustainable fashion and home at places like QVC, and you can buy luxury at, you know, Stella McCartney and many of the high couture-like brands as well that are moving in this direction. So, you know, I'm on boards like the textile exchange with Target and with H&M and with some of these big retailers, and they're really trying to do well by doing good. I know that, you know, to some extent they're victims of their own business models and that they are mass merchants, but, you know, Everybody's looking to collaborate, which is very powerful because you know, in order for us to drive innovation in our industry, it takes coming together and turning what used to be competition into cooperatition, right? Where we're all working together to solve the biggest <laughs> do, issues in do the you copyright area.
0: that one too? That <laughs> on top of eco fashion, cooperatition needs to get in there.
2: <laughs> Having fun.
0: I wonder what's like. What's the next language and metrics on the horizon for this industry? Like, I think a lot about how much the car industry changed once people stopped talking about horsepower and started talking about miles per gallon. Like all of a sudden that became the metric, right? Before it was like, oh, it's 500 horsepower. And then you're like, wait, how many miles per gallon is it? And when I think about fashion, I hear oftentimes, like if is it made out of like recycled materials you hear now? But I wonder if something like how long can you wear that shirt, right? What's the average lifespan of that shirt or other things like that are on the horizon that this next evolution, you said we're very early in this game. I wonder what the next evolution is in like consumer questions and what they look for in these products.
2: I think there's kind of, I would say two paths, two key paths. I mean, there's lots of spokes in the wheel of change within the fashion world, but the two that are right now kind of most front and center, one is, Fibers and materials, right? And talking about, you know, measuring things like carbon, right? Where that was just such a foreign concept to the fashion world. In fact, you'll see statistics range around this. But if you include agriculture and transportation... 8 to 10% of the world's carbon footprint is coming out of the fashion industry, right?
1: Mm. So now we're
2: looking at all hands on deck. And the board I told you about, the textile exchange with all these big companies, we've made an industry-wide commitment to reduce our carbon footprint by at least 45% by 2030. So now it's all hands on deck looking at carbon mitigation and measuring the amount of carbon in your supply chains, starting from the soil all the way to the manufacturing processes. That's one part is again fiber and materials. The second is probably circularity, and you mentioned recycled. It's not just about how many times can you wear it. It's what's the life of the garment look like, rather than putting it in a landfill. Is it of the quality that when you're done, you can swap, you can you know send it to the real real, and it can be bought in a resale market, a rental market. I mean, you know, companies like Wardrobe and Rent the Runway, I mean, are getting more life out of clothing than ever before from the standpoint of putting something in your closet. And I can just tell you, you know, how many things I used to have in my closet that, you know, I've worn them a handful of times and, you know, especially the the nicer things that now with social media, you know, there's this expectation that you should be look, you know, have different outfits all the time. Right. So totally. I love the whole circular economy as well. In fact, at yes. And which is our D to C brand, we just started, we just partnered up with a company called recurate, and we're going to be introducing a resale market. Uh, a secondhand market for yes and as well. So I think, and then there's an app that is now coming to life that's gonna be able to trace that garment all the way through all these different lifetimes. And The real real does that as well. So, you know, I think we're at the beginning of, you know, a paradigm shift in fashion where people are gonna be asking, you know, the questions and reading labels in a different way. And they're gonna be shopping differently and, and trying to buy from companies that are supporting better quality garments. And I think also moving from China into other countries is also starting to happen in the fashion industry. Uh, also to look at, you know, supply chains from a diff- through a different lens. It's not always about cheapest, fastest and lowest denomination. But, you know, unfortunately, consumers right. have driven price to that point. We got to re-educate.
0: Right on. Well, the last question we ask on the show to every guest before giving them floor is, if you were as successful as possible, everything breaks your way over the next decade, which after talking to you, it seems like there's no reason to doubt it will. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're on a roll. Um, what's true about the world in 10 years? Mm.
2: Well, the journey of a thousand miles, right? It begins with one step. So it's about stepping forward where we shift the alternative to the norm and the norm to the alternative. So I always say... You know, we need to shift the paradigm and give people a way to buy what they love and seek while making a difference to human and environmental wellness, farmer and worker welfare and future generations. So in 10 years from now, my vision is that no compromise is the name of the game and that, you know, we're buying products that are good for the planet, good for people. And, you know, as a business person, I always say I'm like a little kid in the candy store. I get to do what I love, make a living and change the world.
0: Wonderful. Well, uh, Marcy, thank you so much for joining us. The last thing we do is give the guests the floor. So whatever else you want to share with the audience, you know, please do. And and thank you again for spending time with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, You know, I would just close with my book, Eco Renaissance, which, you know, that is kind of the, the word that sums up my vision for 10 years from now, right? That we are living in a rebirth of humanity. That's what a renaissance is, rebirth. Built on the awakening that we're all part of a collective ecosystem. We're all in this together globally, right? And the five pillars of the eco-Renaissance are creativity, consciousness, community, collaboration, and connection. And those are the principles that cross every sector of popular culture from food to beauty, wellness, fashion and business and so we need to eat the change, be the change, live the change and wear wear the change we all wish to see in the world.
0: Thank you for listening to Radical Ones. If you're looking for more content like this, you can head over and be a supporter on our Patreon, patreon.com radicalones. You can also follow us on social at Radical Ones Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram. I hope this finds you happy, healthy, and safe. Take care.